Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. It's easy to watch the news every day and say, Lord, come soon, isn't it? And that's a great prayer, by the way, because Revelation 22.20 is the very same prayer. It says, Amen, come Lord Jesus. What the last verse in the Bible, Revelation 22.20. It's easy to get down, even, even, even afraid. So today we want to consider, how do you handle bad news? How do you handle the news that could just really threaten your future, see? It's all attitude, and it goes back to this, the first message in this series, the character of God, who God is. He never, ever changes. It goes back to the character of God. See, I have some concerns, and they're not fears yet, but if I let them, they could develop into fears. Because I watch the news, and I talk to people, and I think about the growth of Islam. And you got to look at what they're doing in Central America, folks. I mean, one by one, these nations are caving into Islam. It's inside America. It's all around our borders. And for Islam, listen, for Islam to take over, uh, you just have to believe the devil's lie that, well, all religions are good. Every, every way leads to heaven. And, and honestly, folks, most people believe that today. Most people do believe that. And we are ripe for Islam. We're very ripe for Islam. We are. Here's something else. Somebody talked to a guy who's pretty high up in law enforcement who said, you just don't know. He said, it's beyond belief. The number of people, even successful people who are into internet child porn. Beyond me, how any adult could have a sexual attraction for a child. That, that's one thing I just have a hard time understanding. I said last week, Satan's main job is not to make us sick. Satan's main job is to lie, and I'll add this to that. His main job is to seduce, tempt and seduce like that. I, I could never explain having that, that, that sick attraction, a sexual attraction for a child, well, apart from demonic seducing spirits. And in my own ministry, I see more and more of this. I see more and more young people linking up with somebody on the internet, and I'm talking about child and teen predators, and I see them arranging meetings, you know, secret meetings here and there. I mean, yeah, it's bad out there. That's what I'm saying. It's bad out there. And that's where Psalm 112 comes in. You got to look at Psalm 112. I mean, you don't know how great a psalm this is. You just don't know how great this is. I mean, it is so great. Praise the Lord. That's where it begins. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. What's that? It's not a slavish fear. It's kind of a reverential law. Blessed is the man who stands in awe of all who God is and who finds great delight in his commands. Blessed is the man who takes his greatest delight, or the woman, or the child, in obeying God. And they get the deep satisfaction of knowing they've obeyed God. Now jump down to verse 4. Look at that. Even in darkness, what dawns for the upright? Light. You see light at the end of the tunnel in your darkest moments. That's what it means. In your darkest times, you can have a great attitude if you fear God and delight in his commandments. And this gets better. Look at verse 6. Surely... He will never be shaken. If you fear God and delight in doing his commandments, you're never going to be shaken by bad news. Why? Because you're focusing on who God is, and that steadies you, man, see? I mean, listen to all the bad news you can possibly listen to, and it won't knock you off your feet when you dwell on who God is. And, and that's why I mean it's the, it's the character of God. It's God's character that you dwell on that really shapes a believer's whole attitude or worldview or paradigm or whatever, whatever word you choose. 
Now I'm going to read verses 7 and 8, and you, want to, may, you just may want to um, rip this, these two verses out of your Bible and just kind of chew them and eat them up <laughs> and digest these two verses. Verses 7 and 8 of Psalm 112, this is so good. The man who fears the Lord and delights in doing God's commands will have no fear of bad news. The NIV says he will have no fear of bad news. That's an excellent translation. The man who fears the Lord and who delights in doing his will will have no fear of bad news. Listen to this. His heart is steadfast. Why? Trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear because in the end he will look and triumph on his enemies. I got to read that one more time. Man, digest this. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. And so if you're the one who fears the Lord and delights in doing God's will, I mean a believer in Jesus Christ, you will, number one. Number one, you will have no fear of bad news. It's, and it's out there. Number two, your heart will be steadfast, trusting in the Lord, steadfast, immovable. And number three, one day you will see evil defeat, defeated. God and therefore good, because God is good, will triumph. Now listen, you need this, I need this. Mark these verses in your Bible. If you trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, you're a believer. You have salvation. You don't have to fear bad news. Your heart, your inner man can be steadfast at the core. You know God has control of everything and he's moving everything toward his purpose. So here's some principles about handling what may make you anxious. Handling bad news that can make us fearful. And fear, listen, I got to tell you, fear can be paralyzing. It can paralyze you until you don't want to function. And I mean, we can handle bad news with a positive attitude. Here's what I know. You can do something about the bad news that comes into your life. You can do something about it. I'm talking primarily about the news because you're going to watch the news and you're going to see murders, rapes, robberies, but you will not see the thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon the millions of people who don't kill, rape, or steal. You won't see that because the news is going to focus on all the bad stuff, all the negative stuff, right? Why? It's all greed. They need ratings. They need ratings. It's, 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 it's who, you know, how can they draw the sponsors? And so they got to focus on all the bad stuff, all the negative stuff. Now, there's good stuff on the news, too. And folks, there's just too much information today. We don't need all this news. And maybe you should commit yourself to watching less news and doing something else with your time, okay? Today, we have so much information. I mean, you're likely to watch the news and think it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And when you think about how, where the world's going and how bad it's getting, the big deal is this. You're not nearly as concerned about Tony and Laura. I mean, you look at the world and say the world's going to hell and you're not as concerned and you just forget about Tony and Laura. And Tony and Laura are your neighbors or your good friends. Then they got a couple of kids and they're neat people. And Tony's always an upbeat guy. He's always smiling. He's an encourager. As a matter of fact, he makes beer in his basement. He's got this brewery in his basement. He makes home brew, you know. Tony's a fun guy. And you and Tony play golf a couple of times a year. And Laura's a room mom. And Laura's kind of a lady. You know, she got a couple of kids running around. And she'll just stand there in the backyard and listen to you and talk to you. And make conversation as if, you know, all the kids and all the noise in the world don't trouble her. She's a very special lady. They're lovely people, Tony and Laura. But when you talk to Tony and Laura about your church and your faith and you try and inject that into the, into the conversation, they will listen politely. Oh, I'm so glad you feel that way. I'm so glad you're so involved in your church. But then they'll change the subject. And we're so concerned about the world going to hell. You're not concerned about Tony and Laura. And they're going to hell. Nice people that they are, they're going to hell without Jesus Christ. And you're so focused on the world, you forget about Tony and Laura. 
It's how you see it, man. It's perspective. It's attitude. Because there's a whole lot more Tonys and Lauras in the world than there are rapists and murderers and internet child porn addicts. You're going to see the bad stuff on the news. And the news has to focus on the bad stuff. It's all about money. It's all about ratings. But you're not going to see the Tonys and the Lauras. And God's placed you where you are to change the world, to build into Tony and Laura's life so you can bring the Lord into your conversations and tell him what a difference he's made in your life. This is how I used to be, Tony. This is how I used to be, Laura. But here's where I am today. And that's because of my Lord. And tell him about answered prayer, little things, answered prayer. And and, 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 see, God has placed you where you are and and i've said this before and i know you're tired of hearing it ben but i've constantly got to remind myself that too god has placed you where you are with a plan in mind and he's brought you into the lives of tony and laura or whatever their names are so you can ask them or ask your mom or your dad or your husband or your wife or alonzo the custodian at work or whoever it is don't you ever wonder what's going to happen when you die man that's a great lead-in what's going to happen when you die God the Father in heaven called you to faith in Christ Jesus, put you right where you are so you can ask Tony, Tony, you get up and go to work every day. You know, sometimes I think about this, Tony, get up and go to work every day. Isn't there more life than just getting up and going to work every day? That's a good lead in. Ask him. Or you could ask Laura, Laura, you know, don't you ever wonder, isn't there more to life than baking cookies, bowling on Friday nights, being a room mother, camping a couple of times a year? Isn't there more to life than that? All I'm saying is we can get so consumed with the bad local and national news and TV news and stuff like that and think the nation's going to hell that we lose sight of Tony and Laura. You and I have a part in changing the world. And that's a high honor. That is a privilege. We partner with God in leading people to Christ. We are God's partners in this whole deal. You know, God could zap them with faith, but God's not going to do that because he's going to give you and me the dignity of partnering with him to lead these people to Jesus Christ. Here's something else we can do. I mean, you just don't sit in your hands and say, oh, the world's so bad. I mean, I just mentioned seducing spirits that draw people into filth like child porn. You can pray against that because I thought about Daniel 10 when I wrote this. And Daniel was God's man in Persia and he prays for his nation. But demon spirits are assigned to Persia, just like they're assigned to this nation and every nation by Satan himself to drag the people of his land, Daniel's land, into the slime pit. As Daniel prayed, as Daniel prayed, the angels got off the edge of their seats, so to speak, and they started working. As Daniel prayed, they called for reinforcements, the good angels, to fight, to fight the the evil angels, the demon spirits over Persia that were assigned to to bring them down into the slime pit. And God responded to that. The Father responded to that. He sent one angel, one angel, Michael, who was more powerful than all the other angels. Read this in Daniel chapter 10. And Michael blew them all out. And the whole nature of that nation began to change when the lies didn't flow into that land. But you got to pray that prayer of spiritual warfare that God would destroy the lies of those seducing spirits. See, when you see such bad news and you're so disturbed, God has shown us a pattern in his word. Pray, pray for angels to destroy those spirits of Satan who lead us to believe Islam's okay because we're heading for an Islamic takeover. That's bad news, isn't it? But that's the direction we're going because people believe everybody's religion is good. We're heading that direction. And you got to pray that God will send out angels, man, that'll stop that. Or will stop this, this, oh, honey business, I'm not sleepy, you go to bed. And so dad stays up and searches the internet for filth. I mean, you can stop that. You can pray that God will send angels out to stop that nonsense. 
Uh, just, just read. Re- read Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. It talks about your offensive weapons to deal with Satan, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and the power of prayer. Well, this has everything to do with attitude. Instead of worrying about the condition of the nation and grousing about it, do something. Tell yourself, I can do something. Begin letting your light shine into the Tony and Laura's of your life that God put into your life. And start praying 40 times a day if you have to. Father, this is from the pit of hell. You see something on the news, you say, Father, this is from the pit of hell. I promise you, right then and there, you start praying, Father, that's right out of hell. Send angels out to destroy that lie. And God's going to do it, man. You're praying in the will of God. God's going to do that, man. Send angels to combat this. You can do something. And then you, child of God, are changing things. And when you understand this, you will have maybe not no fear of bad news, but it's going to diminish. You're going to have less fear of bad news. And how about this? Watch less news. Watch less TV. Read fewer newspapers. Read more of God's word or something rich and edifying. Quit listening to talk radio and listen to praise or Christian teaching. I know most of the talk radio is conservative, but it still deals with those issues. And just, just, just maybe shut it off and say, I'm going to turn on some praise today. I'm going to hear a good Christian teaching on one of the Christian radio stations. Okay, that's the first thing you can do. That's the first principle at handling bad news. Second principle is you got to be realistic and you got to take the Bible at its word. This is realism. What is it? Genesis chapter 2. He put him in the garden to work him and care for it. And the Lord God commanded the man and said, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Get that. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then he says... For when you do, you will surely die. Now, what God just said, he gave him a command. said, you are not to eat of that tree. But when you do, what did God just do? He gave man a free will, right? He gave man freedom of choice. That's the way we are created, folks. And that's a biggie when you look at bad news, how to handle bad news. You've got to understand, we are created with free wills. Now, there's a difference between Christians and the unsaved world. Christians have the Holy Spirit in us, and the Holy Spirit is a restraint. He's, uh, he, he's one that will restrain us um, and, and keep us from, from, from all out, free for all sin. But the fact is that most people in the world don't have the Holy Spirit in them. And they will exercise their free will, their fallen nature, their free will to the fullest to serve self. And here's what you got to know. God will not intervene. God is not going to intervene in man's free will. He said, I created you with the free will. And man, this is so important. And he says, I'm going to let free will have its way. I'm going to let free will run its course. That's how man is created. But here's how you got to see it. This is where attitude comes in. You can watch or receive bad news and say the world is lost. Going to hell in that proverbial handbasket or there's no hope. Or you can say God has control. God made us with the free will and God's not going to intervene in every little detail of life. He's going to let it happen. And in his divine wisdom and providence, he will one day work all these things to his ultimate purpose. And yeah, you're going to be a victim because you're going to have to live as a believer within people making all these sinful bad choices due to their fallen sinful nature. But people without Christ, people without the Holy Spirit in them, I mean, they're going to exercise their free will and they're going to dig a hole so deep and it's going to get so bad. you got to know this. And I'll tell you when it's going to get worse because 1 Thessalonians 4 says there's going to come a point where believers, you know, the salt of the earth, the ones who restrain sin will be raptured or taken out of this world. We're going to be raptured. We're going to be out of here. 
See, the salt of the earth won't be here anymore. And it's going to get so bad that 50 years after that rapture of believers, it's going to get so bad that a guy's going to come along and this guy's going to say, hey, I got the answer to all the world's problems. And people are just going to welcome that. Trust me, man, I got all the answers. You know what he's going to do 50 years after the rapture? Get this. He's going to do something no man has ever done before. He's going to negotiate a peace treaty between the Arabs and the Jews. And there will be peace in the Middle East. And people are going to see that. And they're going to say, hey, this guy really does have all the answers, man. He is it. And they're going to catapult this guy to world leadership. And the Bible has a name for this guy, the beast. And the Bible tells us about the life of the beast. In Revelation chapter 6, it pictures him coming on four different horses. I mean, the first horse is a white horse. This guy comes out in a white horse. Revelation chapter 6, verse 2. He comes out waving a white flag. I'm, I'm the great negotiator. He negotiates peace in the Middle East. No one's ever been able to do that. That's the white horse. Yeah, but then the very next verse... He comes on a red horse, and there's a bloodbath, red for blood, and there's a bloodbath all over the world. If you believe in Jesus Christ, your blood's going to be shed. Then, then, then along comes a guy on a black horse. He, you know, he's, he's, got, he's got scales in his hand riding a black horse, and all that's saying is if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not going to be able to buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast somewhere on your body, your forehead or your right hand. And then finally you get to the fourth horse, the sullen horse, the sullen pale horse, which represents mass death. And that's how bad it's going to get under the beast. But then, then God says, and this is what you got to know, then God says, enough. And in Revelation chapter 6, I'm just going to read parts of it from verse 12 on. Then John watched and he saw another seal opened and, and there was a great earthquake. God says, now it's my turn. You've had your day, evil, man's fallen nature. You've had your day. And God says, enough, now it's my turn. I watched as he opened the sixth seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth made of goat's hair. The whole moon turned blood red. The stars in the sky began to fall. Down to verse 15, then the kings of the earth, listen to this, the kings, the princes, the generals, the rich, the mighty, every slave, every free man hid in caves among the rocks of the mountains, and they called to the mountains and rocks, fall on us because God's judgment is coming, and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, who's that? God the Father, and hide us from the wrath of the Lamb, the wrath of this nice Jesus, hide us from his wrath, see, for uh, the great day of their wrath, the Father and the Son's wrath has come, and who can stand, see? And then you get to Revelation 19, and Jesus comes riding on a white horse, and he, is, you know, he, he destroys all evil, the battle of Armageddon, and now the beast is in hell. Then you get to Revelation 20, Satan is bound for a thousand years, Jesus Christ reigns for a thousand years, then Satan's released for a short time, and the Bible says they cast him into hell forever, God cast him into hell forever, so the beast, Satan, are, are out of the picture now. And then you get what we call the great white throne judgment, all evil people, all, all people without faith are cast into the same lake of fire, and now, baby, it is all over, and you get to this. I mean, all I'm trying to do is show you the direction it's going. This is the way it's going. I mean, God has control. He knows exactly where things are going. I hope you're getting that point. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean here's the end of the matter. This is Revelation 21.3, and I heard a loud voice. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men... And, and he will live with them. That's what heaven is. They will be his people and God himself will be among them and be their God. You can say what you want about heaven, but the wonderful thing about heaven is being in the presence of God forever. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning, no crying, no pain, for the old order of things has come. That's where it's all headed. And so God is going to let evil happen. But you got to know, he has absolute control. And in Jesus Christ, your and my eternal life is secure no matter what. My end is pure glory, eternal fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And God's promises are certain and true. And that's how I see it. 
I can watch the news and it gets worse and worse and worse and my cage does not get rattled. That, that alone, that, that gives me so much comfort because I know it's going to happen. And the rest of the people can say the world's going to hell in a handbasket. But I, I know man has a free will and God's not going to intervene. And I expect this to happen, but I know where it's going, man. I know where Revelation ends. I know where it's going, see? And that's why I can offer hope to people. And see, that's how I see it. That's my attitude. And I don't have to be gloom and doom. I can say God's in control. Now, here's, here's the application. Got any kids? How many of them are teenagers? And what if they're half serious about some guy or some girl who isn't a committed believer? And I'll bet you know people like that. You know, you got, you got a child or a niece or a nephew or someone in your life that you're close to, and they're dating someone who is not a believer. It could be an older person, too. Man, you got to pray. You got to talk to that other person they're falling in love with, and you got to talk about the Lord Jesus because I got to tell you up front if, if they become, become unequally yoked, they're not going to stand. The world is getting so evil because of man's fallen nature and because God is, is, is allowing free will to run its course. If two people are unequally yoked, they will not stand. They must stand together. They have to stand together. Yoking is yoking. To biblically is yoking two oxen together. So you yoke two oxen together, and one's pulling this way, and one's pulling this way. You know where they're going? They're going nowhere. They're absolutely going nowhere. If you marry an unbeliever, I tell you, you're going nowhere. You are absolutely going nowhere. And if you're here today and you're about to marry an unbeliever, I'm going to say get out of that relationship right now. You've got to get out of it because you're open. I tell you what, you will cave into the system. You'll honestly cave into the system. And I'll tell you something else, man. You're going to have one heartache after another, one heartache after just one after another. It's going to be nothing but a life of heartache. Heartache, 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 heartache. You will not stand. You can't stand. If the person you're one flesh with is not in sync with you about the word of God, you will never stand. You will give in. And if you've got to fast 40 days, if you've got to fast 100 days to stop a marriage like that, then fast 100 days. Do what you have to within the limits of God's word. Man, you go before God. You cry. You cry. You cry. Let God see your tears. Let God see your heart. And, and just pray. Just cry out that your kids and grandkids will marry only a believer. Man, get these kids ready. That was a great testimony today. Feed them God's word. Tell them God's in control. Send them into the world. And you do the same, knowing and believing, convinced of the truth of Scripture, that everything is moving towards God's victory and God's purpose. And then you will be salt. And what's salt in Scripture? Salt has a lot of meanings. Its basic meaning is this. Salt adds flavor. And you add flavor to the world. The world needs flavor. The world needs hope. The hope that all things are moving toward what I read to you in Revelation. God has control of all this stuff. How to handle bad news and be positive and hopeful and so doing affect people around you. Just a couple more. These are brief. First, there are certain things you can't control. You cannot control the weather. Something else you can't control is your future. All want to be in control of our future. And when you don't have control of your future, what do you get? Nervous. You want to be in control of your future, and we don't have control of it. And you know, when you look at that, the news that you watch every day in this country, there's powers at work that are greater than you and me, and um, we, simple us, have no control. What do you do? You've got to trust God. When you have a personal circumstance in your life and you have no control, now I've, I've been through this, where I had no control over my future a couple times in my life. And I will never forget those times in my life. And if you've been through it, you know 
There is no time in your life that develops trust in clinging to the promises of God more than when you have no control over your future or over your circumstances. And you hate those times, but I stand here to tell you, in retrospect, when you go through them and look back, you will say, those are the best times of my life. I promise you that. I promise you that. At those times of no control, I got to tell you this, the, shine, the cross of Jesus Christ shines more brightly than ever. It shines more brightly in my life than ever. And I learned what Jesus meant when his disciples said, and this is in Luke's gospel, I don't have chapter or verse, I just know it's there. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And remember Jesus' answer, and this is not the Lord's prayer, this is the disciples' prayer. The Lord's prayer is in John 17. This is the disciples' prayer, he said. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. And what did Jesus say? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he said these all-important, meaningful words, give us this day our, you fill in the blank, daily bread. Why didn't Jesus come say, Father, give us our bread for the next 600 years, for the next 60 years? or the next 60 days. Why did God dump manna on the Jews one day at a time? You trust him one day at a time. And there's just one more point. And I heard this from Chuck Colson. He was interviewed on um, James Dobson's show. It was a rerun from years ago. He told about the president of Guatemala. And this was a couple of presidents ago. And um, the president of Guatemala said, I have tried politically, and he was a Christian man, I have tried politically to improve this country through politics, and it didn't work because of human nature. He said, politics can't fix a thing. And so the president of Guatemala resigned and says, I can't change anything or help anybody through politics. He resigned his position as president and became an evangelist and went all over, the, all over Central America preaching Jesus Christ. And, and he did more good to change people in that time than he did as president of Guatemala. And all I'm saying is this, and this is all attitude, don't depend on the government for your future. Depend on Jesus Christ. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School, 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.